Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. So if you could um, think of one of the hardest things to figure out as a follower of Christ, of all the things we navigate as a Christ follower, what first comes to your mind? How to become like Christ. Oh, yeah, that, that would be okay, it. Okay, what would you say? I mean, I was thinking temptation. Well, it's kind of the same. You know, same. which is similar, but yeah. I was thinking one of the things that I underestimated as I came to Christ is I didn't think I'd be tempted as strongly. Mm-hmm. As I was as a unbeliever, non-believer, I knew I was tempted then. I thought, you know, in Christ, power got my life. That the temptations would be there, but not very strong. Mm. And I was shocked to feel sometimes a burning in my soul for things that were sin. And I thought it wouldn't be that strong. You thought and it would go away. I was shocked that it's a war. You know, what mine was. Mine was that I would still struggle with identity issues Mm. of thinking, what's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. I'm too damaged because Mm. of sexual abuse. I'm not worthy. But I also had a sense of judgment toward you. (laughs) This is terrible, especially because you're a pastor and I am judging you based on like, how can you struggle like this? Yeah, and I felt the same thing, and I think every follower of Christ knows what we're talking about. And sometimes it's unnamed or it's secret, but we've all felt that burn, that Mm -hmm. desire to do something that's against God's will in our life. And we're in some ways shocked, and at the same time we're like, how do I win this? Mm -hmm. Right, And so we're sitting here with Garrett Kell back with us today again and talking about temptation, sexual temptation, but it's any kind of temptation, really. Uh, Garrett, welcome back to Family Life. Yeah, it's good to be back. I've enjoyed these days. I mean, we've had a couple of great days talking about your book, Pure in Heart, Sexual Sin and the Promises of God. You're a pastor. You've been a pastor for how many years now? I've been about 17 years of pastoral ministry, so part of that in Texas and now the past nine years at Delray Baptist in Alexandria. We talked for a couple of days about your struggle mm-hmm. with pornography, and many of us have been there. So here's the question. How does a person win mm-hmm. over any sin, whether yeah. sexual sin, pornography, you name it? How do we find victory? And again, I want to get to the title of your book, Pure in Heart. Sure. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Let me give you an example of what it doesn't look like first. So when I was uh, I was a new Christian, probably walked with the Lord for two years or so, and we had a group of guys, uh, and I'll be clear as we talk about this, that sexual temptation is something that hits both men and women. Uh, this is not just a guy's threat, mm-hmm. right? So this is, as a pastor, keenly aware of that. But I was meeting with the guys. There was about 10 of us, and we would call ourselves like the Holy Club or something like that because we, <laughs> we were trying to walk in, in holiness and anyway, what we would do is we'd meet on Saturday mornings, and we would sit in a circle. And in the middle of the circle was a big jug. It was that if we had sinned that week some way, that we needed to walk up, confess what we had done, and put money in the jar. <laughs> and then you go and you sit down. So everybody had to be walking up to the jar. Well, that's, see, that's the problem. It's like... <laughs> Some weeks you would walk up and you would confess sin, put money in the jar, and walk back filled with shame. Mm. But then the next week, what happens if you walk in and you, and you didn't sin in, in that particular way? You get to self-righteously sit there and say, no, mm. this, this week I did wonderful. And 
I use that illustration, and it's a little risky, but the reason I use it is because so often that's how purity is thought of. It's thought of as a performance. Mm. It's thought of as an end in itself. I know not everybody was caught with that being the end in itself, but for me, there was so much weight on I wanted to look good in front of other people, and I wanted to not have to confess that I was on this constant roller coaster of shame and self-righteousness that was just unstable. Mm. And I think when we look in the scriptures, that's not what purity is about. So Jesus lays out a promise for us in Matthew chapter 5, 8. It's one of my favorite promises. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And what we learn there about purity is that purity is not an end in itself. It's not just not looking at pornography or not committing adultery or not giving in to the urges of same-sex attraction or not giving in to whatever else it may be. Those are good things to avoid, and God's glorified when we do by faith, right? But, but they're a means to an end, and the end is to know God. It's to see him, to know him, to enjoy him. Blessed are the pure in heart because you get to see God both now in this life and in the life to come. And when I began to understand that, it was, it was liberating hmm. and it's also strengthening. Because like Second Corinthians 3.18 says that the way you grow as a Christian, the way we grow is with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We're transformed from one degree of glory to the next. The way you grow from degree of glory to a degree of glory is by looking to him yeah. and pursuing him and saying no to the promises of sin. Cause that's what a temptation is. A temptation is simply a promise like, Hey, there's some pleasure for you that's going to come, but you're going to have to not trust God. And you're going to come over here for this thing, whatever it is. And it's always immediate satisfaction, right? But Jesus lays promises that no, you've got to fight fire with fire. So when temptation comes, you've got to have another promise. So, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my car. I rarely have social media on my phone. I've just learned it's helpful for me to not. I, I typically don't. I have my phone set up to where I, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't pull up pornography. Like right now, I, like if you did that with my phone, I just couldn't. For that day, I had downloaded a social media app to post something. My wife has my code, so I'm like, every time, I'm like, honey, I need to download an app. I'm sorry you married a 13-year-old. Can you unlock my phone so I can download it? I had neglected to turn it off, had it on there, and I was sitting in my truck, and I was just scrolling through. And somebody posted something that was sensual. I wasn't hunting for it, but it came up on my feed. And in that moment, I feel the urge. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm mm. like, there's a part of me. My flesh is like, well, just take a look. It's just one look. Just see what, if this, is that really what that was? You yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's all of that. And in that moment, I've got to make a decision. Is the promise of sin, which feels so true, better than the promise of God? So what I had to do in that moment is say, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Lord, help me. So I blocked the person, deleted the app, texted my wife. I said, hey, honey, just want to let you know. I was just on social media, and I saw something sensual. I didn't stay there, didn't linger. I blocked the person, and I deleted the app, but I wanted you to know. And then I copied that, and I texted it to my three other buddies, to Jason, to Chris, and to Ben. Just showed them why I had sent my wife, and I just sent it to them. Because in that moment, what I know is that I am too weak to just fight this. If I just leave that app on there all day and go back, and then after lunch and I'm a little tired and a little something's gone wrong and I feel a little entitled and a little self-pity, I'm going to be weaker against that. Mm. So I had to go grab a promise, ask God to help me to believe it, and then I had to get in the light with other people right away. Learning to live like that takes time, mm. but that's the way to purity. Is like I want my heart to be filled with Jesus. And the way we get there is by saying no to sin and yes to him. 
and doing that 10 million times until we see him face to face. I'm thinking about the purity culture because that was when we were raising yeah. our kids. And I think what you're saying is all it was was, okay, here's the goal, but we weren't getting into mm-hmm. This is who God is, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's well worth it, and sure. this will be great. It was more of like just meet the demands of just be pure. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's where it, certainly there were some people, I'm sure, in the purity culture who, whose hearts who, were, heart were right and all yes. that. But the movement as a whole, I think, was short-sighted. Mm. We feel like that with yeah. our kids. Like, oh, we even, even apologized to them. Like, you guys, our hearts were right, but we kind of the way yep. we brought it to you yep. probably wasn't great. Yeah, because when the... Just not doing is the goal. We miss what it's intended to lead us to, which is to see Jesus and to know Jesus. And that's actually where the strength comes from, to keep fighting. Because the more that you walk with him, he strengthens you in the same way that when you give in to sin, what do you want? You want a little more and then a little more. And it gets stronger. It's like a beast that you feed. It gets Mm. stronger. Well, the spirit... When you cultivate, you know, seeing Christ, it, it strengthens you. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I know you're a pastor and, and even a theologian. So talk about the theology of purity being something that is my identity in Christ mm-hmm. as opposed to something I gain by performance. Yeah. So if I'm not a Christian, I am in sin of sin. Mm. I love sin. Like before I was a Christian, I loved my sin. You don't have to command people to sin because it's enjoyable. That's why they go do it. Right. right? And that was my identity. My identity was wrapped up in this or that. When you become a Christian, a couple of things happen. First of all, the Spirit gives you eyes to see Jesus now, not just as dying and rising from the dead, but dying for you and rising for you. And it becomes personal. You are given eyes to see. You're united with him. And now you're given a new standing. It's called justification. We're justified. We're declared righteous before him. And we are positionally pure. Right. Before God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are his child. You're forgiven. Now, the spirit who lives in us now produces the life of Christ in us. So he is transforming us day by day, step by step, decision by decision, to make us look more like Jesus practically. So positionally, we're holy, and we are being made more holy. Sanctification. we're, We're being made more like Jesus. And that happens as by faith, God is working in us, giving us strength, we obey him. So just like what happened, you know, that that day in the car, there was was an act of obedience. It was by faith that I lean in by grace to a promise. I look to Jesus and he makes us more like him. So me performing correctly is not what gives me a right standing with, with God. My identity is that now I am in Christ of Christ. I've died to sin. It's like sin no more. Like you don't have to do what you used to do because you're not who you used to be. Mm. You're dead to that old person, Romans 6 says. You died with Christ, and now you're alive in Christ. And there's new life, and there's new power. So I think it's one of the lies that I didn't believe for a long time. I remember thinking, I have to keep doing this. Like there's re- I'm never really going to be free. And I just I believed that lie. Mm. And it took some really hard days and some true honesty and real accountability and to stop drinking in the well of sin to be able to begin to walk in the light. And it's not an overnight thing. You know, there's no switch. There's no pill. There's no shot that you can get and like, oh, wait, look, I've arrived. 
it's a process. Talk about your marriage. What did this look like? It sounds like you and your wife are super open. You have accountability with her. She knows all of you. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for her in this journey with the two of you? This is where I would say every every couple's different. So what my wife and I do may not be the best for everybody, but I think there's some principles we need to to agree. So a Christian husband's primary job is to help his wife to heaven. And a Christian wife's primary job is to help her husband to heaven. You want to help each other to look to Jesus together. So that's why we got married. We Mm -hmm. We want to follow Jesus together. Part of that is we want to help each other to fight sin. So she knows my temptations. She knows my struggles. She knows my patterns. And we just sat down and had a conversation about this to where I use Covenant Eyes, which is a reporting thing that kind of keeps track of everything you look at on the Internet. One report goes to one of our fellow pastors and another one goes to my wife, which is a huge deterrent. It's not the only thing you need, but it's hugely helpful. So she gets that. And if I'm feeling tempted, I will often just be like, hey, would you pray for me? Now, she also knows that I'm going to be more explicit and very detailed in my confessions to my other brothers in ways that I don't think she wants to hear about or needs to hear about necessarily, unless it crosses a particular threshold. And those brothers would be like, I think you need to reach out to, to Carrie. You need to talk to her about this. So we've all kind of agreed on what those thresholds are. For her, she wants to have a general pulse on how I'm doing, and she wants to be able to pray for me and encourage me. And that's been hugely helpful. And then with these guys, I'm very transparent, and we've learned to be very honest in our confessions. And one of the things we've learned to do, so even as you heard uh, in that, that example, we try to confess our temptations. Not the temptation sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. He wasn't sin. But when I'm tempted, there's something I want to sin, which Jesus didn't struggle with. I've found that if you get that into the light right away, it helps. Because otherwise, if you leave something there, it just kind of lingers. And over a while, it starts looking a little better. Mm-hmm. And it starts getting a little stronger. So that's why you've got to kill it. And get it in the light right away. So we, we try and cultivate that, that relationship. And now there have been times when I did look at at, at thing. I compromised on what I looked at the internet and I, I sinned. And those are the hardest conversations. Mm. I know you guys have been public uh, about your own struggle with that. And yeah. I hurt her. Yeah, and here's one of the questions about that for you and also for our listeners probably wondering, okay, how about trust? Yeah. You know, when your husband is confessing or your yeah. wife's confessing sin and maybe it's been a month or maybe it's been a day, but there's a sin again yeah. or maybe the same struggle, yeah. whether it's porn or whatever, sure. you start to lose trust. Like, yep. wow, That's you're not. Real. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're telling me, but you're not winning. That's yeah. what I was going to say, Dave. I've talked to so many wives, especially because I'm talking to wives a lot that are so discouraged. Like sure. he's not winning. Yeah. And it's this has been going on for five years. Yeah. And I'm tired of his promises. I'm tired of him saying, oh, you know, I'm going to win this time. Yeah. What do you say to them? So I'm going to have a word for the husbands and I'm going to have a word for the wives. Good. So first Let's thing go. is first thing for the wives. Remember that Jesus is near. Hmm. Right. And that you are rightly being grieved. Mm. It is wrong for your husband to sin against you in this way. So you don't need to feel ashamed that it hurt you. It makes sense that it hurt you. Now, I think in your anger, Ephesians would say, do not sin. So don't retaliate evil for evil. I think you want to pray and plead that God would, A, help you to trust him, to believe that your husband's struggle with this sin is not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about his problem with Jesus. Like he looks at porn not because you're dissatisfying, but because he's dissatisfied with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's his it's his fault. 
I think ask God to help you to believe that that's true. Ask God to help you to grieve appropriately. So it is right for you to to grieve that he's hurt you. But it's even more important to ask God to help you to learn to be grieved that he's hurt God. Mm. We oftentimes are so horizontal in yeah. this conversation that we forget that the one that we've chiefly sinned against is God. Mm. So pray that your heart would be broken for his relationship with God, which I think will over time produce some compassion, which is necessary. Not a compassion in the sense of pity. It's like, oh, it's okay. But like, a, oh, I want his heart to be free so he can know Jesus as he should. And then I think you want to help make sure that he's in the light. So mm. if, if he's just doing this but not telling anybody, at some point you need to, to tell him, I'm going to need to go to talk to the pastor because I need help. Like that's the most loving thing sometimes you can do is to go and say, my husband needs help. Please call him out. Right? Mm. And there's a lot more there, and I'd be happy yeah, to talk more. Yeah, that's good, though. For, for the husbands, you know, brothers, what I would say is you've got to remember is that your sin always affects others. And you've got to understand that you are hurting your wife. You are tempting her to think that she's not enough. And you've got to know that all of those women or men or whatever it is you're looking at on the Internet, like, they're lying to you. They don't want you. <laughs> they're paid to act like they want you, but they don't want you. And what your heart's really looking for is Jesus. You know, I forget who made the quote, but somebody said one time that when a young man goes to the brothel, Mm -hmm. what he's really looking for is God. Mm. Like what you're looking for is God. God's the only one that can give you the affirmation that your soul is seeking. So you've got to know that chiefly this is an issue with you and the Lord. Secondly, you've got to look at your wife and see that's an image bearer. And as she weeps, you're supposed to see that's how Jesus weeps. You're grieving him. You're sinning against God. Feel the weight of that. Now, you could feel it and just feel ashamed and think, I just can't move. And this is where the gospel comes for you. And the good news is that Jesus can meet you in the midst of your mess, and his arm is not too short to save. But you are too weak, brother. You are too weak to do it by yourself. You've got to reach out. Go to a trusted friend who's godly. Go to your pastor, whomever it may be. If you are a pastor, call a fellow pastor. And come into the light. And what I mean by coming into the light is not like, hey, I'm kind of struggling. I mean, tell the whole truth. Jesus said, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye. You've got to do whatever it takes to make getting to sin impossible. So whatever that looks like for you. And explain that because I don't want a listener going, oh, I'm going to gouge out my eye right now. He's he's literally using a metaphor to teach you how drastic this is. Some of you need to get a different job because of that person that you're working with who's a temptation. Some of you need to get rid of the Internet in your house. And you're just going to be out of touch. Some of you need to stop watching the show that everybody thinks is so amazing. It's got a great storyline, but it's filled with smut. Ask God to help you to see how is the sin getting in. And you've got to do whatever it takes to cut it out. I think you've got to set yourself up in such a way that it's hard to sin and that you have help that abounds, both from those who are closest to you and ultimately from your God. And that's where, again, we just want to say that it's God's providence his wise arranging of things that you've tuned in at just this time to yeah. hear that there is help. And he has come to set you free. That's good. And there's a way out. And Jesus will help you. And listen, husbands and wives, if you feel like it's so fractured because there's been sin against one another, I want you to know he can heal it. It won't be easy. It may be a long road. Trust does get rebuilt. Husbands or wives, if you've sinned against one another and you're like, well, I've, you know, I haven't looked at anything in two months and they're still hurt, realize that you've sinned against them. And it's going to take time to rebuild. But you keep loving, keep seeking Jesus, and he will help you. 
Man, that is a a great word. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, when I was growing up, to try and find porn was, you couldn't find it. You had to go to a store and buy it, so you didn't. You know, unless you stumbled upon it, you didn't. Today, as you just said, it's in our pocket. Mm-hmm. It's so accessible, so we have to, like you said, set up the barbed wire. Man, you modeled it so well, the brothers that you have in your life. Yeah. And by the way, everything you said about a man struggling could be to the yep. woman or to the For wife sure. struggling. It's oh, the yeah. same thing. It's yep. just apply it to you, yourself if you're a wife. I felt like I wanted a resource that I could hand to any man or woman, anybody who's married or unmarried, somebody maybe struggling with same-sex attraction or whatever it may be. Or somebody who's not struggling and wants to help somebody, here's a resource that yeah. will meet you where you are that will show you that Jesus is the answer and what that means practically to be able to be set free. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I would say go to familylife.com. If we can help you, we are here to help you. Garrett, thanks. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. God bless you. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.